Sometimes I wonder if I should do something really cool in the intro instead of just like that. Well, I don't know. I'm just uh, deep now, I guess. Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal to episode 76. And, well, to all of you guys, uh, thank you very much for tuning in and for downloading the podcast. Today, or a few days ago now, I was absolutely delighted to sit down and have a chat with Jessica uh, and find out a little bit more about her experience with mental health, her journey, some of the struggles and some of the achievements she's had. It was really, really cool for Jess to share her story um, and also to find out about some of the really cool stuff she's done, particularly in my mind following on from Laura and Beth's stories where they spoke about the stuff that they've been doing with Time to Change Wales. So Jess has done some stuff uh, with some of the mental health charities here in England. She's also spoken to a lot of young groups, uh, spoken at the University of Reading and with some of the, uh, I guess, activities or events that Royals have been involved with as well. So again, following on from some absolutely amazing stuff that we've heard about recently. So it's cool to hear from Jessica, who obviously will tell you a little bit about her own story. Again, if you've got any interest in coming onto the podcast in the future, please do get in contact. Have a look at the website, which is mikesopenjournal.com. You can find me on social media. Most places I'm Mike underscore Douglas underscore. Uh, and have a look at some of the stuff that's going on. There's all the stuff around the podcast. It's pretty much always Mike's Open Journal. So do have a look. Do get in contact if you're interested in coming onto the podcast in the future. As I said, a big thank you to Jess for coming on, for talking to me, talking about her experience. And as always, I'm going to throw you straight into the conversation. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Workout, because we've met up a couple of times now. Only once. I feel like I've seen you twice. Uh, only Portsmouth. Oh, oh, I know where it is. It's because we moved. It's because we started off in yeah. the noisy pub, and then we went round to the bowling alley. And uh-huh. that's why, because I'm like, oh, I've, I've seen you twice. But no, it's <laughs> once in different places. Same <laughs> <In> day. <laughs> right. Oh, dear. I really enjoyed that. That was a really cool day. Um, yeah, I like that. It was it was really nice to have the um, like the casual side of meeting up in what was it actually like not the best place to meet up in the end. Um, the pub wasn't, but the bowling alley was. Yeah, the bowling alley was really good, and I'm I'm potentially thinking about um, using it for something else as well. Um, it's just quite a nice. It's like kind of relaxed, and there's other stuff going on. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you can get like a little bit of space with like the booths and things like that. I think um, like the pub would have been really good if it hadn't have ended up being a day when the football was on. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made it so busy. And especially like by the door, I know there was like a couple of people that came along. I can't remember if you were one of them. And it's like, it's a lot to like just get in the door as well. Um, I know, and it's not like, like so crowded outside. I was like, okay, I'm going to get from it yeah. and then I'll be all right. <laughs> And we were like, we were right by the door, which is good, but it's like, you've still you've got to get in. And I'm yeah. like, oh, for anyone that's like a bit worried about going into somewhere, this is like really not great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a nightmare. Like it was nice on the, it was nice-ish on the inside. Um, it was just, yeah, it was quite busy and yeah, it didn't work out being the best well, it was like I guess a combination of like the time and the place, but um, it was really cool to have everyone come along and have like 
actually it was quite nice to have like a, a little group of five or six of us to just chill out it was quite nice yeah I liked it because it was sort of like casual there's no like there was no um, it just felt a bit relaxed I guess yeah I think I want to try and do a couple more that are a bit more like that like there's other people doing some really cool organised stuff and like recently I've thought about doing something organised and I've been like actually I feel like there's other people that do that really well and mm. I I do I really like like the casual side of like the meetups and stuff that I've done or that I've been along to and there's something a little bit different about those yeah because sometimes it can be a bit full on mm. I think uh, for someone who's got like anxiety or you know yeah you know, sort of like no not going to that so casual is sort of like the best I think so and especially when a lot of the time it's us kind of all meeting for the first time or mm. um, like one or two people for the second and so you kind of don't really know people plus you're generally all going somewhere you don't really know that well yeah. um, so it's nice to not have like added pressure of it being more formal I think I don't like formal stuff. <laughs> I I'd rather just be relaxed. Yeah, be... I like the formal here and there. Like it's nice for like the celebration, but yeah, it's a bit here and there. So yeah, that was like our first experience of like meeting up and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and that was really cool. And there was um, it was nice to have like the arcade and stuff there as well. Actually, I'd forgotten. Yeah, about. That, that was that cool. was fun. <laughs> oh, I need to go back through and find it because I had a video. I remember the video of everyone playing that was cool. Yeah, Christ. That was good. Um, so I know, like, we'd spoken a little bit beforehand, but that was the first chance, like, that we really had to meet up. Um, yeah. And it was cool for me to meet you because we'd spoken a couple of times before. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you want to share with everyone else a little bit more about your story and your experience with mental health. Um. So, yeah. So uh, it started off in, like, 2009, uh, when I started school um, so I was doing well at school reasonably well, I was sort of hard working um, and then I was heavily bullied online and offline, I guess kids are you know, kids are immature at that age, so you know it's, it's it happens to everyone basically um, so yeah I was bullied and then it went on online and it became worse um, so I tried to fit in and sort of became a rebel myself. Um, then my grades dropped. Um, and then it just got worse and worse to the point that I gave up on education, really. I went in. I was there physically, but I wasn't there, like, in my head. Um, and then uh, I left school um, with one GCSE, which is really upsetting because I put so much hard work into it and I never got any you know good things in return um and you know that was really sad because my sister came out with you know a stars and b's and stuff you know it's a bit disheartening to see it um because you see that the comparison as well then don't you so it makes it harder yeah it i think my parents said to me oh jess you haven't done good enough my parents don't they didn't support me um they didn't understand what was going on so they just saw it as bad grades and bad behavior mm. but i had to fit in otherwise i i would have got bullied more 
Yeah, I think it's really hard as well because we we like uh, us at this time, like when we're looking back, say sort of three, five, six years. Actually, there's a massive shift where like bullying changed from being like just that verbal and physical stuff to to being online and like you say mm. that where it kind of follows you home and especially now where everyone's got phones and um the bullying essentially goes home with you it's in your pocket it's in your bedroom like such a massive shift from kind of the the experience that people have had before and the type of support that you would have got i imagine um in a school is going to be com- not completely irrelevant but it's going to miss a huge part of yeah. um, what's affecting you and there's almost I think a lot of the time there is that a kind of a hint of ignorance and also wanting to not kind of acknowledge the fact that oh there's all this other stuff going on that we don't know about we don't know how to like respond to that um, and it is really hard like when it's not something that you've experienced or that you know as I would imagine like you staff in a school how do you respond how do you act to that when it's something that's suddenly happening with all of your young people and you're like well i just like just put your phone away just don't look at it like why is that a problem and you're like but the culture and the the environment that you have grown up in and that you're part of is so completely different to what um they will have experienced when they are at the same age so it's really hard to kind of put that across and i think that's the change that we're we're starting to see a bit more where there's recognition of um, like online bullying, cyber bullying, but also how that affects young people, which is great, but obviously it's no help to you when you were in that situation years ago. Yeah, of course. Uh, the problem is, uh, at my school, I didn't have any support. Well, I did. In hindsight, we had like support we had people to go to if we were yeah. getting bullied or something. They didn't do anything about it. Even just, even the bullying offline, they didn't do anything about it. So it's sort of like they have this anti-bullying policy and they don't follow it. It's just like, okay, you're just going to leave me to worsen my grades. But that's all school thinks about is grades. It's hard because that's something that can clearly like be measured, can't it, as well? So they yeah. can say, look, you were getting a B, you're now getting a D, you're naughty, you're not paying attention you are capable of getting this but you're not so it's your fault or it's your problem mm. um you're like well you'd think someone would go yeah there's a reason for that and <laughs> <laughs> maybe sit down and talk <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe some people don't think like that I, guess. <laughs> I think it's always money though really isn't it like not enough money to go around well, I, I definitely... I, I suppose it's, like, the culture and the stress, especially for teachers. Um, like, I always had, I think, during my time in education, like, the ex- the experience... I don't know about that. Um, the thought that I was not being taught for knowledge or for life, mm. I was being taught to pass a test yeah. or taught to complete an assignment. I never really felt like, oh, I'm being taught this because this is going to be beneficial for me in the future or I'm going to be able to use this or it's something I should know it was like well I need to know this because it's going to be part of the test or the exam or it's part of the criteria Um, and maybe well I would imagine that a lot of the stuff that I was told has 
been useful. So maybe it was the way it was explained to me. Maybe it was like, you're, you're being taught this or we're talking about this because it's going to be part of that test rather than actually like this is going to be beneficial to you in this way and that's why it's part of our course. Um, like just a small explanation at the beginning maybe would have made a real difference yeah. as to how I looked at that type of stuff. Um, I don't know, yeah, I always got that kind of feeling that I'm being taught for, for a test and not for knowledge and I don't think that's a great way to kind of encourage or motivate people to participate because you're going to get those people that are like, yes, I want to do really well or they test really well um, and are going to continually hit those top marks. But for those people that sit in those like boundary grades, actually like the motivation to go on needs to come from somewhere else. Mm. Um, I'm trying to avoid saying like A's and B's and stuff now because it's they've all changed is it this year they all changed to yeah the, to the like, numbers so it's one to nine yeah yeah so i don't really yeah i don't know i can't remember if one's good or nine's good i'm not sure i think nine's good which yeah because i remember it being the weird way around because i was like surely you can't get better than perfect so <laughs> so i didn't get one like one's not the best and then you could have gradual grades so if you wanted to make it harder you could add more numbers yeah um but i think it's the other way so like nine is the top um and then you just end up with the same uh so were you in school when there was like the a star star stars uh no i think that was just a star okay i remember someone getting a two stars christ and i'm like Dude, like, there shouldn't be two stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something's gone wrong with the marking system. Like, anyway, it should just be like, uh, it should just be like the A or the B or the C or D or whatever. And then you get on top of that, you've got like pluses and minuses. So you get like a B minus. Um, but then there were stars and like, so a star's more than a plus, right? Okay. And now this guy's got like two stars. So what the hell's that in relation to a. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I did B techs as well. So there was like oh, the E's and Distinction? Yeah, so there was pass, merit, distinction, and distinction star. Oh my god. Okay, so I did um so I did A levels and a B tech. So like my A levels were like um the A B C's D's. Um and then the B tech like yours was a pass merit distinction. But I didn't we didn't have a like a distinction star but it was, you got like three grades, so you could have like pass merit, merit, or merit, 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 or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, so maybe that crosses over with the same type of thing, I'm not sure. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. It gets confusing. <laughs> just so many different things. I don't know why they can't just keep it A, B, C, D, E, F. Or just give you like the percentile. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they do in America, where you just get, like, you're in the 10th percentile or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't quite know how that works either, to be honest. Um, but, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see why you need to keep on adding grades. Like, just be clear with the boundaries. Um, like, within reason, they will change slightly here and there, and that's okay. But, uh, yeah, I, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I, don't think know. The, I think the problem is, really, is 
one, there's students in class that don't want to learn, mixed with students in class who want to learn. Yeah. And also, there's students who, like me, had dyslexia and wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia till the start of their GCC exams. Uh, at least you got it at school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, I was at college before. Um, God. Like, they wouldn't test me at school because... Um, in the, well, they said they didn't think I was dyslexic, um, but looking back and knowing like some of the expenses and stuff like that, I think it's to do with the fact that they didn't want to pay for me to be tested because that's like a couple of hundred quid. Um, and then once you're tested, if you are, if you're found to be dyslexic, if you're, I don't know what the correct wording is, if you are, if your result comes back and you get the great news that you are dyslexic, um, then they have to put in the adequate support to support you. So all the time you, you're not tested, they don't have to offer you any of that support. But as soon as you have been tested and you've got your dyslexic result, um, then they have to put stuff in place. So by saying we don't think he is, we're not going to test him, they are potentially saving definitely hundreds, if not possibly a few thousands of pounds. Um, so I can see why they did it. Like, I don't agree with it, but I can see why that happens. Yeah. It was just too late. Yeah. You know, it was way too late for me. Like, I wanted to go to college and study business studies, but like, I couldn't because I didn't have maths or English. Yeah. Um, oh almost arguably whatever you wanted to do like you're going to need the maths and English as well yeah. so to make sure that support's there is a big thing I don't know how have you found it since because you're now studying counselling so yeah. how have you found like that sort of support uh, I think because obviously it's a part time course um, it's not too bad um, but it's I don't get any support um, which is pretty sad but it it feels like because it's only one day a week and there's less stress that I seem to be able to sort of concentrate better so I have more time to do the work which I you know which I need anyway so, so it kind it of balances me. out a bit more like yeah. you're just sort of managing your own time and your own sort of support mm. hmm I don't know I feel like there should be more support available like you could always say I don't want it. Like I don't. I don't need that. Um, but it should be available to you. Um, I don't know. It might be worth looking. I don't know. Oh, you always say, "Oh, there's got to be other. You, you, there's got to be some sort of support somewhere." What do you think? Like go and talk to like support services or the some sort of student union representation or something. Like there's got to be some sort of support, or even if it's just signposting, there's got to be something. Yeah, because like. In my course, I have to write, like... I have to write a 600-word essay every week. Yep. And then all my assignments are about 4,500 words. Um, and that's once once a month. Yeah. So having dyslexia, it makes it really tough. It's a challenge as well, because, like, the thing... I, I don't know, yours could be different to mine, but, like, one of the things I really struggle with is, like, that conversion of thoughts in my head to the paper or the screen um, and then if you're essentially being graded on your ability to communicate that through what you can get out it does make it a little bit harder and it's being able to build up those 
skills to be able to get what you're thinking <laughs> out mm. of your head, um, which most people, while they might have some struggles or difficulties with it, um, it's very different to what we will experience as dyslexic people. Yeah, I think because my course is so like focused on like role play and stuff, um, we have to fit all the criteria within the role play. Um, so trying to remember all the criteria while talking and trying to talk to someone else about their problems is just like it's mad it it's so hard but you know I guess you've just got to learn yeah I suppose it's building up that experience as well isn't it and working out like what works for you um with different classes or with different people or different ways of um if you're writing something down or if you're listening or if you're typing um I remember there being um like we had a test and I was like preparing my what do they call like your revision sheet type thing oh yeah revision Uh, notes yeah so I had I can't remember if it's like one page or two pages and like I'd gradually broke I think I started off with like 20 pages of notes which I'd got down to like 10 pages and then five and then three and then I was down to like this page in a bit and um, I'd managed to cram everything onto this one page and I'd had it all kind of laid out in different places and it all made sense um, but as I was writing it up like there was one bit that I um, I'd like sh- although it's handwritten just imagine I've kind of like tabbed myself in <laughs> I've tabbed <laughs> myself in a little bit too far and so when I looked at it, it really stood out and it was really annoying because it wasn't in the place it was meant to be. Mm. Um, and it kind of really annoyed me because like I've got this sheet, it's perfectly laid out and there's this bloody bit that's not right. <laughs> um, but actually then when I went into the test, like that bit, boom, did I remember that? Because that bit was a bit in the fucking wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, almost by accident, it turned into a really good way for me to remember that. Now, obviously if I'd have done it on purpose, it wouldn't have worked. Um, but it was quite interesting to sort of see like how my mind works and how it needed like mm. the structure of the layout and actually something being out of place sort of drew my attention to it a lot more than I kind of imagined it would. So sometimes it is, it's learning those little things through experience, which isn't great if it doesn't work. Um, but obviously that time it did. So it was quite handy as well as being like an interesting point for me. Um, but I imagine if you're obviously for your course as well you're going to have quite a lot of theoretical stuff that you're going to need to remember that's part of uh, like the practical and the activities and stuff that you're doing I think obviously for me I've I've got dyslexia but like I have like short term memory loss okay Exams were near amount impossible. Um, so you'd walk in that exam hall and you've like you basically left your brain at the door, like <laughs> like you can't remember anything. And I remember going to exam, and I like think <laughs> I forgot my name, I forgot my teacher's name, and I didn't know the day of the week. <laughs> I was like, great, this exam is going to not go well. Oh, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I know you said that I remember going oh, I think this is like at um, junior school um, 
having oh what would they have been is that sats yeah i think sats yeah yeah i think so um and yeah so on the front you have like your name and then your school's name and i could never spell like the school's name so i had to look at my jumper (laughs) (laughs) and i had to copy the school's name from my jumper like one of the teachers looking at me weird because it looks like you're cheating and she's like she hasn't even opened it yet so it doesn't really matter <laughs> that was funny I was like I do know the name I just, I just can't spell it <laughs> at least you remembered your own name yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I remembered my name which was good although I'm sure I am I'm sure once not in like a proper test but in like maybe like a classroom type thing I've looked, I must have been looking at someone else while I was writing and I wrote someone else's name instead of my name. I've done it so many times. And I was like, oh, damn it. So I just crossed it out and it was fine. But it's just like, oh, come on, seriously. Oh, yeah. It just, it mystifies the brain sometimes how, how those things happen. I think it's just a pressure. Yeah, I guess so. I suppose it's, it's those odd things that just... Like, I can't tell you how often I've gone to, um, like, I've got a, what do you call it, like a pump handle soap thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of times I go to pump handle soap onto my toothbrush, and then I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? And, like, it got to the stage where, I think it, this was last year, I asked my mum, and I was like, Mum, when we were younger, did we ever have, like, a pump dispenser toothpaste thing? Because I keep on doing this, and I feel like it must be out of some, like, habit or something from, like, childhood that I've forgotten yeah. and is coming back to me. And she's like, no, we've never, ever had that. I don't know where you've got that from. And I'm like, where, where is this going? And, I'm like, the amount of times, like, and it will happen... I'll have, like, a period of, like, say, two or three weeks where I'll go to do it almost every other day, and then it will stop for, like ages so like i've not done it for a while but i'm just like where is that coming from like if i've never had a pumpy um toothpaste thing like why am i going to do that i've got i just can't work it out in my brain i'm just oh what are you doing <laughs> have you ever brushed your teeth with soap no right it, it tastes horrible don't do it okay <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely putting me off if I um, if I ever get close and I'm like oh should I just do it anyway I won't <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so I know um, like more recently you've spoken about um, some of the issues that you're going through and that you've been dealing with um, over the last sort of year or so that have actually meant that you've gone on to um, like TV and presented at um uh, a few different places now actually I feel like I've watched more than three videos of you mm-hmm. um, at different places like what has your experience been uh, kind of around talking about mental health uh, to a wider audience I, it's always been absolutely nerve wracking because um, I, previously I haven't been able to speak in front of two people but trying to stand up in front of like four you know about four to four hundred five hundred people is just it was crazy but it's the most incredible experience I think you'd ever have because people are actually, if people are there to listen to you, um, and they love what you say, and the, and most recent experience um, would be speaking at Reading Uni at a conference, um, which I got invited to by Time to Change, um, and I, I at the start of it I was just shaking in my chair like please hurry up I want to do my speech now but. 
after afterwards, I was like, oh my god, I want to do this again and again and again, and it's it's absolutely amazing, and it's I think it it keeps me going. Um, I get like amazing messages afterwards, going, well done, Jess, you did a great job, um, and yeah, it's it's just I think things like so TV, uh, where I recently spoke on Channel Four, was. Um, the most surreal experience, and I was told for free. It was, it was in the headline for three days. Oh, wow. So it was the most viewed thing for three days, and I was just like, "Am I really that interesting?" <laughs> <laughs> just like, it, it's incredible. But at the same time, you're like, "Did I just do that?" And yeah, it's it's, it's the most weirdest thing ever. I think yeah. one of the things that I really like that I've seen with. Um, yourself and a few of the other guys that are um, working with or on behalf of Time to Change is that it's people that are like still affected by mental health as well. Um, mm. Like it, it's really cool that someone talks about mental health in any way, but to hear from people that are kind of open about the fact that actually like this still affects my life now um, is kind of really powerful to sort of, especially for people like myself where we're affected right now by mental health and you're thinking like oh is this going to be like this forever and how are you going to cope with it to see other people sort of stand up and say look I'm still affected by this now but I am functioning and I am able to talk about what's going on with me and I'm able to do that on this type of stage so obviously like you say the stuff with channel four is really cool because it reaches so many people um but actually, I probably prefer <laughs> or really like the stuff that you did with the Reading Uni. Yeah. Um, because you can see that actually that type of situation could be really, really nerve-wracking because you can actually see the people that are there mm. in front of you and um, especially in the the type of hall that I imagine that being in where people are actually sat above you as well. Um it's a very different type of feeling um and i think that's really cool to see that you can sort of stand in front of people and say look this is the stuff that's happened in my life this is the stuff i struggle with now um but i'm here because uh, of my experience i'm here because i want to promote you guys talking about mental health i want to promote um all of the support services and things like that uh so there's a lot i think or there is um to take from that experience and those types of experience as well yeah, I think it it's incredible, um, all the experiences, and I am glad to have them all. Um, there's there's a few negatives that come out of them, which mm. is sort of like people think I'm all right now, mm. um, because I now, like, in the public eye, I can go and speak about mental health, but I can, after my Channel 4 interview, I went home and had, like, you know, like, suicidal thoughts, and I felt, like, highly depressed, and people were just like okay, um, why are you feeling that way? You've just had, like, the most incredible opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's hard as well. I think it's coming back to that understanding that, like, to some extent as well, it's... I don't know if I simplify it sometimes and I feel like it comes from... There's an there's a chemical imbalance in my brain. It's not going to be a logical reaction to stuff. Like, especially with things like self-harm, like, that isn't a logical thing. I can't, I can't think of why there would be a logical reason for anyone to ever self-harm. Um, 
but it happens and so clearly that on its own shows that it isn't part of like logical thinking you can't logically think yourself out of it you can't logically think yourself better because there is an imbalance that's happening um not to mention that i think everyone's going to experience it to some extent so i think everyone has thoughts or moments where they will consider or have a passing thought about self-harm in some way the difference is that some of us have that imbalance and have that struggle because that thought instead of lasting two seconds lasts 20 minutes or two hours um and that's the difference it's like when i've spoken to people before about ocd and i'm like it isn't that you do something that i don't like we're both thinking the same thing but it just doesn't affect me in the same way it it affects you i can say yep that's not ideal to me but actually it's not a problem whereas it is to you because you can't move past it and that's the different ways i think we're affected by what is the same thing i don't know maybe i just think differently i'm not sure i think self-harm for me is it's something you, you do you don't really think yeah it's like you, you just like a spur of the moment thing and then afterwards it I, I, afterwards it's just like oh jess why did you do that but in the moment it is you know i sort of um want that pain mm. um and i want to feel more in control because sometimes in life you don't feel in control yeah I think it's recognising, like you say, it's those different reasons that we act or impulse, I guess, um, in the ways that we do. And then that's where, I suppose, like you say, like almost the logical side comes out afterwards. Yeah. We're moving past that high. But then later on it'll be like, well, yeah, but you justify why you did it and why you might want to do it again. And it's hard because it's that illness that's in our mind um and that's why i think the stuff that you do um and other people do around talking about mental health is so important that people that potentially have the same or a similar struggle to you but maybe don't recognize it or aren't receiving any sort of support um are able to maybe talk up or go and find some support somewhere and i don't like the let's get better because i don't think you get better that sounds so depressing <laughs> I don't oh my god you know when you say it you're like oh fuck um, I don't I don't think <laughs> you get better like you just improve your situation so you better understand your illness like you improve your coping mechanisms your um, investment in the illness as well lessons um, and all of that stuff I think leads to a much more positive outlook and life but Personally, I feel like investing in that let's get better um, is more harmful um, than it is good. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on the like the recovery let's get better type thing. I think the let's get better thing is just like comes across like more negative than positive mm. because when you're someone who's highly depressed and someone says let's get better, better, you're just like well. I'm not going to get better. Like, there's no cure for this. Hmm. So, better is the wrong word. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then kind of moving on, I know more recently you've spoken around um, like your gender identity as well. I don't know if you want to speak a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, in the past, I don't know, say five, six years, um, I have been sort of confused about my identity um, and very much felt trapped um, within my body and I, I kept it a secret from basically everyone because I was so worried that people were just going to, you know, just... I guess piss off from my life because mm. they've heard that I want to you know be a boy and it's to my parents it's not normal mm. uh, but to people on Twitter and the mental health community it is normal so to me there is a real lack of understanding and a worry that I was going to get um, told I was wrong mm. um, and that's something I didn't want, so I, I guess I've been hiding it away um, for years, and it's something which has caused like great distress. So I've nearly taken my own life because of it, um, and I, I, I see myself as taking the right decision, um, and I'm still trying to figure out stuff. Mm. Um, it's a massive decision. Um, but I, I think I'll get there in the end. I hope I will anyway. I remember watching, I think it's, I don't know if it's earlier this year or last year, the, there was like a Louis Theroux documentary on uh-huh. um, children. Oh, they were really young. I can't remember. They were like six or seven that wanted to change their gender. And like the first part of the programme kind of built up with this idea of like, oh I don't know like they are really young like do they really know what they want to do and like there's a boy that wants to be a girl and you're like does he really or like is there elements of like he could just remain a boy but dress in girls clothes and um but then they show you someone that's like in their uh, like I think they're in their like 20s or 30s and they talk to you about how hard it is to go through essentially like your teen years wanting to be or associating as a different gender to what you are mm. and that was so interesting because you could see the, then like the difference between actually like if this child really really clearly wants to be and is the opposite gender like there's so much harm in essentially forcing them to remain as something that they don't associate with in any way um, and some of the stuff that these people went through was just like horrific um, and it really kind of brought home a little bit like the importance of if someone really, really wants this, it doesn't matter what age they are. Like, actually, it should be looked at as a very, very serious um, issue and trying to resolve that, I think, can cause a lot of problems. Like, regardless of whether you had any other, like, mental health illnesses or not, like, if it was just around this, like, that would still cause a huge amount of in my mind like a lot of mental stress um, and like you say like the anxiety and the fear over what the reaction is going to be from different people from like family and friends and places like that so um, I'm really pleased like you've had that positive feedback and I know it's, it's not from everywhere and from everyone but it gives you a good kind of starting point 
um, as you try and work out exactly who you are and where you want to go and what you want to do um, like no one's ever going to know 100% but it's trying to work out what makes you happy and what you feel like is you yeah I think acceptance acceptance is like the key thing here mm. is like my parents I told my parents and they didn't accept it so it, it that brings me down more um, and just today I had like suicidal thoughts thinking oh shit like my parents don't accept me they don't love me they don't care um, and that that's really horrible mm. but I don't know if it's just shock or it's you know they're actually saying the truth because yeah I think it's a big adjustment as well isn't it if you think um if you almost forget <laughs> let's be really horrible let's forget you <laughs> <laughs> love it right let's be, let's forget you um like if you've got um if you had a son and you had certain expectations of what your son is going to do um, and then at a later stage, he decided actually he wanted to be female or equally if you had a daughter and you have certain expectations of what's going to happen. And then later on, she decides that she wants to be male. Like, but as a parent, like your reaction to that is going to be huge. Um, and again, like I remember in the documentary, there was one parent that was like, um, like, I love them, like, whatever they want or whoever they are, I, I don't care. Like, I love my child. Mm. Um, and there were some parents that were like, wow, like, I have a son. This is, he's a boy. Like, he's not going to change his gender. Like, he just, he's going for a phase. Like, later on, he'll change his mind and whatever. Um, there was a mum who had a daughter and she was I think she was transitioning or going to transition to male. Um, and she was like, I, I feel like I have like lost my daughter. I feel like she's died. Um, and while I absolutely adore and I love, oh, I can't remember their names. So like the son that she's now gained, um, yeah. she said like, I absolutely love him, but I almost like mourn the loss of my daughter as like a death because um, like I'm not going to see her grow up I'm not going to see her get married I'm not going to see her have children um, and she has kind of died and but now I have a son and that is really cool but it's and it was kind of interesting to see it's like such different reactions and you can understand how and why those are happening and you just you can never I suppose you can never tell how people are going to react to that like the level of support or understanding or um like being able to work out what's right like they might think like we love you and the best thing for you is to um not do anything and to stay who you are or it might be that actually like we understand this is something that you really need that you really want that you really associate with like that's what you should do because it makes you happy um, and there's so many different reactions to it. And I think it's just such a difficult situation. And that's why the where you can, like the communicating is so important. Um, because it could be that they've got concerns or worries or um, don't understand it in the same way that you do. And 
I imagine from like what you've said, like you haven't got all the answers, but just being able to sit and talk about it, um, if you're able to, and if they're able to sit and listen, um, can make a real difference. Yeah, I, I also believe it's sort of a, a generational thing. Yeah. Um, so we're growing up now to be more respectful and aware of different, you know, different people in general. And, yeah. uh, you know, people, are just people are a bit older, you know, they're stuck in their old ways, aren't they, really? I think as well, like, we see a massive difference of, um, like, we now have things like easy access to the internet and social media and... Um, do you know what if I live somewhere where there are no black people I know there are black people because I've got the internet like I know there are um, like I know there are transgender people because I have the internet and I've seen those people I've heard those people I've spoken to those people but maybe I haven't seen them like near the place I live or near the place I work and if I didn't have that access in the way that people that are I don't know 20 years older than us 30 years older um didn't have that before or haven't had that until recently um like that culture or environment shock is a massive change and isn't something that they've got any sort of context for um and I think that's where the difference can be like I've got friends that are gay and the reactions from their parents are very very different like some are like more than happy that their child is gay they don't have an issue with it at all others do think like oh what about like the grandchildren and weddings and stuff like that like how's that going to work you're never going to have that and um it's that type of reaction that can just be really really different I don't know if like I kind of feel like it would be different in like 10 years time but I don't know um I guess it's it's kind of just thinking that the more people talk about it the more people are exposed to different thoughts beliefs cultures um they will be more open to someone saying um, like I'm gay or I associate with a different gender or whatever else is going on with them um, and I think it just comes back to that idea of talking like it sounds really easy but it's really really hard <laughs> it's so hard I think there's people who listen and then there's, um, yeah, like there's people who listen and and then there's people who listen to you, hmm. but they're trying to think of what else to say after yeah. you've finished. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, can you just stop so I can just talk? <laughs> <laughs> I had... <laughs> oh, you've just reminded me of this meeting that I was in the other day, and they... Like, someone was talking, and I just, like, zoned out and started thinking <laughs> about other stuff. And then they said, um, what do you think, Mike? And I was like... Um, I said I'm really sorry I said I did hear what you were saying I said I just wasn't listening uh, don't know, can you say it again <laughs> and they were like what <laughs> just like <laughs> they're not ready for that level of honesty <laughs> <laughs> luckily like it was a friendly meeting and I could say that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah it is, it is there is a, like there is a difference between hearing and listening and like you say I think in my mind almost what you're describing is someone hearing what you're saying but they're not really listening to it um, and they're not really understanding what's going on or why there's something going on Um, and just by sitting and having a little while I was like 
Like, do you know what? I can sit down and... Like, we've almost sat down for an hour. Have we resolved anything? Nope. Nope. <laughs> but we've sat and we've spoken about um, the stuff that we've got, like the dyslexia, like mental health, uh, like it just sitting down and being more open with it sometimes. And I think making that little bit of time can make a real difference to how we feel about what's going on with us. Like, actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Like, when I spoke to Jess, and she didn't really make it sound like what I was going on about was too bad, and she kind of understood it and actually gave me, like, that idea that I could try something else and see if that works for me. Um, Whereas if you didn't feel able to do that, like, I'm going to go away again thinking, I've just sat there for an hour talking to Jess, and I now feel worse than I did before, and I can't believe I didn't mention whatever that thing was that was going on, and da-da-da-da. And, like, it happens, like... It happens every day, but the more we have like those opportunities just to sit down and have five minutes here and there, um, can kind of build up and make a real difference. But I guess it's like anything, isn't it? It takes time, it takes practice, it's hard work, um, but hopefully it does make a difference over time. I don't know if you feel like looking back now, um, like you've obviously had a period of time where you have spoken openly about your mental health. Um, and you're now at a stage where, in my mind, maybe I wasn't listening. <laughs> maybe I maybe I heard but didn't listen. Um, up until recently, like you've not really spoken about your gender identity um, thoughts. So, do you feel now like being able to look back and saying like from where I was with my mental health, although I still struggle with it, there has been improvement, and that's come from talking and listening to people. That you feel like that's going to be beneficial for you around like your gender identity that actually like there is a benefit to talking about it yeah definitely um i think you you kind of have to talk about it because otherwise you just you know gets bottled up inside and it can you know can spiral out of control pretty quickly um and like i have a counselor as well um so i've only spoken to him twice about gender identity stuff I think I've been a bit reluctant to do it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it certainly helps, I think, someone just listening um, and someone just validating how I feel um, really, really helps because, you know, people tend to not really listen these days. It's seen as just a, a pointless thing. And... Yeah, people always want to try and fix stuff instead of listen, like just simply listen. It is that, um, I don't know, people do struggle sometimes with that idea that you don't have to be an expert, you don't have to fix it or improve it, like actually just by, like you say, just listening, just sitting down, just listen, um, will make a massive difference. I think when I, after I lost my friend to suicide, um, my parents were away on an anniversary in Italy. Mm. Um, so I came home to an empty house after his funeral. Yeah. Um, and I just went, then I just wanted someone to listen. Um, I just wanted reassurance and mm. um, just someone to be there because I had no one. Yeah. That's on the end of a phone. But you know, that's not the same. Mm. And I think that might have impacted me going forward. Just having someone there, especially at some a time that is 
really emotional and really and will be really really physically and emotionally draining um but you say just to have someone there to bounce ideas off sounds really weird just to like bounce your thoughts off of and just like be in someone else's company can make a real difference um so I don't know I feel like it's even more impressive that you're now able to be one of those people that sort of stands up and encourages other people to do it um like having someone that's able to inspire other people to come forward and say look I'm struggling with this or I really want to talk to you about whatever um, hopefully helps other people that are maybe in that situation where they maybe they come home and there's no one there or no one wants to listen to them they do pick up the phone and talk to someone or that they do go around to their friend's house and talk to their friend or or whatever um, can make a difference yeah that's always my main aim when I go into an interview or do a speech hmm. I just leave hoping that someone's benefited from it and you know someone can sort of like I guess step out the shadows and sort of speak up about you know how they're feeling because mm. people feel that mental health mental illness has got so much stigma attached to it people just feel that you know people with mental illness are violent and you know we're not we're, we're lovely people but we just struggle more than some other people do um, yeah and yeah that's that's just the case and I guess the media don't play a good part in that I remember someone recently saying I can't remember I've got confused with my episodes now because I've got I think I'm too behind um, <laughs> but someone recently has said <laughs> whether it's gone out or not yeah I don't know um, has said about a, a similar thing to you there where, uh, where there's this this thing in the media where it's all so negative about mental health but um actually like people that suffer or are affected by a mental health illness are i can't remember the how many times but are so many number of times more likely to be a victim of crime than a perpetrator Mm. um and i think that's a really important message too as well especially when we're looking at um like the stigma and the coverage that mental health does get a lot of the time it's uh, this person with a mental health illness did this um like rarely is that a positive story um and again kind of i guess in my mind reinforces um some of the really cool stuff that especially like time to change doing um i know mind have campaigns as well and a lot of the stuff that you guys as um young champions do as well with um time to change which is really cool yeah i do a lot of work with like young minds as well Mm. the first ever charity i joined after um suicide of my friend um, I guess I went in there thinking I want I don't want anyone else, I don't want anyone else to die um, and I needed that kind of sort of peer-to-peer support yeah I think I just felt I think everyone does you just feel so alone in it like and I guess that's why Twitter and like volunteering for me has become so beneficial I think it's good as well when you say about um, young minds is you need young people to talk to young people as well yeah like if someone that's 30, 40 comes in to talk to people that are 15 and 16 are they going to take as much from it as if it's someone that's like 18, 19, 20 Um, you're so much more on their level um, and someone that they can kind of associate with that 
there's so much more to be taken from that by that audience. I think the like now like the speaking is amazing, and it obviously it could get better, but you know the heads together campaign has been incredible with the backing of like the young royals. Mm. Um, there's people talking more and wanting to seek support, but there's no support out there to find, um, and that's I think that's where the mental health sort of system sort of falls apart. I think there's there's definitely room for improvement. I think, I guess it's being part of that wave that's happening now of getting people to talk about mental health, um, getting them to come forward, getting them to ask for support. Um, and then once you can see there's like there is that demand, that need, like there there needs to be more um, accessibility to um, things like CBT, to counselling, uh, to to therapy in the workplace that idea that actually we look after our mental health like every day every week mm. regardless if you have an illness or not things like mindfulness kind of growing and improving that so everyone's like oh don't sit on the sofa all day like make sure you get up like once every hour or something like that well that's great that's really good for your physical health but we need to encourage more stuff for like, mental health as well like maybe have five minutes each day where you do just kind of sit there focus on your breathing think about whatever you want to think about and just reflect and just have that time even if it is just five minutes each day um and try and get to the stage where you know we're encouraging something like that that helps prevent some of the maybe people are affected by symptoms and that could be helped resolved or aided in some way before it becomes worse and it becomes an illness if that makes sense um, I definitely think that's something that we should be looking at more yeah I guess I'm not saying don't seek support because please do um, but like in my personal experience I it's not been good for me hmm. I've been referred to the community mental health team six times and been turned down um, and having to seek a private counsellor which has cost my parents over a thousand pound but it, like, it just you know it's kept me living yeah. so you can't put you can't put a value on my life can you so it's just like you say it's so hard because if there was more access there could be support available to you that's more affordable or that's more accessible as well so it's trying to push all the different types of support and like like you've said it's getting people to come for, come forward first uh, we're showing that there's demand that there's need for this stuff um, and now it needs to be put in place the services need to be increased and made more accessible um, I think we're kind of coming up towards the end of our chat I don't know if there's like any stuff that you've got going on in the next kind of wow we're coming towards the end of the year now actually aren't we um, <laughs> in the next uh, what six weeks um, anything in the next couple of months even though the next couple of months is going to be next year um, <laughs> not really um, turn 20 <gasps> just next month <laughs> Believe it or not, I still look like I'm about 12. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, I just, I don't know. I think, 
oh, who was someone said to me about oh like when you meet Jess like she is really small and I was like what do you mean really small and they were like well she's like small and I was like okay and then when I saw you and I was like ah oh, she's like I was expecting someone like really small yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's just not tall. Like, <laughs> it must have been John then. It, I don't know. It must. It was around the time that I saw him, so I can't remember if it was John or someone else. Because you did stuff with John as well, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was John. It might have been. And um, yeah, I just remember being like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't know quite <laughs> what I was expecting, but <laughs> you were clearly too normal for me. <laughs> I was. When I met you, I was so, like, anxious to the point that I didn't really speak much. Um, and I I hope to sort of, like, there's another meetup to actually talk. Yeah, I'm de- I definitely... Um, if it hadn't have been, like, Christmas and New Year and stuff, um, I think I would have been thinking of doing one around that sort of time. But just because it is, it's, there's just too much other stuff going on. Um, yeah. I kind of depending on what happens with a couple of other bits um i think potentially like around february time but um it's dependent on yeah a couple of other things that are popping up yeah um that might mean there's an, another thing happening so we will see there'll definitely be something going on soon uh but i know there's a couple of other um meetups and stuff happening uh yeah, we're going to the one in Oxford. Yes, Ross and Becky's Oxford uh-huh. meetup, which is that's in the new year. Is that like late January or something? I can't mm-hmm. remember. It's near the end of January. Yeah, um I'm pretty sure I've got that one in the calendar, so I'll see you at that one. <laughs> um if anyone wants to find out a little bit more about you or contact you in the future, where can they go? I think the best place to contact me is Twitter, it's yep. at Jessica People. Cool. And then you've also got a website as well, yep. which um, I can add into the description as well uh-huh. um, for people to have a look at as well. Um, thank you very much for coming and talking thank to you. me. It's all right. I've really enjoyed it. It's interesting to find out a little bit more and just actually quite nice just to sit here and have a chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing to do. Like, I need the most boring life. <laughs> No, but like you even if you do nothing like just to sit and talk about the stuff that's gone on is interesting anyway so that's been really yeah. cool so thank you very much and um i will if i don't talk to you soon i will see you in january okay cool cool i'll see you soon then all right bye bye who's still here (laughs) thank you very much for listening to that episode i hope you enjoyed hearing about jess's story uh, and about our discussions around mental health and some of the stuff that's been going on recently as well please remember if you want to come onto the podcast in the future do just get in contact all of the information for the podcast the blog and everything else that's going on is available at mike's open journal Dot com. I had to think about that one then for a second. Uh, I am also considering, possibly, um, at the moment, having uh, a couple of additional... Uh, I think I'd like some audio clips 
uh, ideally like music or songs or something like that that I could maybe add into the podcast. So if you're aware of someone um, or you are someone that would be interested in having some audio files included in the podcast, please do get in contact uh, and we can have a conversation about what can happen there. I've got someone that might be interested um, in having some stuff on and it'd be really cool to include some of her music in the podcast in the future. So yeah, if you're interested, please do get in contact and you can do that through the website. Thank you again for listening in to this episode with myself and Jess. And as always, please do remember you're not alone out there.